0: Sifter for the ear. News, interviews, reviews, cinema, TV,
1: streaming. Action! Hi, y'all. This is Jerry Williams, a.k.a. TV Jerry. we got a triple feature again this week, so let's dive right in. Think of your favorite album. What do you see? Ever wonder who decided on that image? How did the music and the cover become one? That was an excerpt from the trailer for The Album which features artists who created iconic album covers like The Dark Side of the Moon and Abbey Road and Nevermind. Kevin Hussman, who directed the documentary and actually designed some of the album covers, will be on the show later. The album is one of two films featured this week both of which are part of the 18th annual James River Film Festival, which runs from April 20th through 23rd in various venues around town. The other film is The Alliance, which chronicles the establishment of a farming community in New Jersey created by Jewish immigrants in the 1800s. Director Susan Donnelly and DP co-editor Ted Salens will tell us more. And since both of these films are playing at the Bird Theater, it's the perfect time for a brief chat with their new executive director, Ben Cronley.
2: Sifter, review of the week.
1: Murder Mystery 2 on Netflix. I couldn't recall the original movie, so I went back and discovered that I never finished it, so that says something about my opinion of the original flick. Anyway, Jennifer Aniston and Adam Sandler return as a couple who's trying to establish their private eye agency. When a billionaire friend invites them to a wedding in Paris, a kidnapping sets things in motion. As crime capers go, it's pretty standard. Some of the locations are attractive, but it's really all about the starring duo and their chemistry. They're both doing their typical shticks, which works if you like their style. Some of the action sequences are fun, and there are some amusing moments. But since it revolves around Aniston and Sandler, you have to enjoy them to enjoy this. I gave Murder Mystery two and a half out of five stars. Ben Cronley, you are now the executive director of the Bird Theater Foundation. So who are you, and what's your involvement with the bird up till now? Yeah, so I was on the board since 2018, up till
3: October of this past year of 2022, in which case I became the assistant general manager of the uh, Bird Theater Foundation. So what have you learned so far that uh, you plan to put to use as executive director? Well, I think uh, first and foremost, I want to continue the restoration of the building. Sure. Um, We want to get to turn it back into the 1928 grandeur it was. That's where my focus is primarily right now.
1: Actually, I've done videos, and I'll post a link to some of those. You know, new some new seats are in. Some of the lobby's been done, and some of the stuff you can't see. So, what are some of the big things that are left? Yeah, so replacing the rest of the seats. Right. We also want to replace the carpet with the original 1928 carpet. We also want to restore the organ. I mean, it works now, but it just needs some extra. It it, it works now. It It just needs some updates. And what about that area? I know when I've been walking down Carey Street, that area under the marquee that's kind of exposed to a bunch of old. Uh,
3: yeah, it's band. it's the original 1928 marquee that's up underneath there. We're looking at restoring it back to the 1928 look and feel, and adding the blade back up.
1: What you, I'm sorry, say that. Explain that again. I'm not sure I understood.
3: It's a sign
1: that's B Y R D. Right. In, in vertical letters. And that's called a blade. That's called a blade. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. So that's a blade on the marquee. Yes. Got it. Do you have a timeline on any of this, or are y'all still trying to work to raise the money and get everything organized?
3: We're still working to raise the money in and to get organized, really. We're in the process of getting a historic structures report, which will cover exactly everything that needs to be done in the theater. Once we have that in place, we'll really hit the ground running from there. But we're hopeful that by 2028 our 100th year anniversary will at least have done
1: most of it. Yeah, that'd be great. That gives you something to work toward A 100th
0: exactly. year. That's pretty
1: incredible. How have you seen some of the changes? I know obviously the seats are more comfortable and you changed a lot of the stuff in the lobby in terms of the concessions and stuff like that. How has that worked out? Is that proven popular with people? Yes, yeah, so far so good. I mean- I think it's
3: really been popular. Um, we've been able to get people in and out of the concession areas per, re- relatively quickly. And then t- t- ticket-taking is also kind of sometimes a hold-up on, on trying to get people in. Right. But we're, we're doing a better job of implementing that and getting people in.
1: Obviously, the downside to a lot of these smaller theaters like that one and the Empire Downtown, the lobbies are so tiny. And you got this big theater, and you got all these people. There's really no way you can expand the lobby.
3: No, there's no way to expand the lobby, unfortunately. When they built it back in 1928, they didn't have concessions. Oh, wow. They actually had a fountain where the concessions area is now. Oh, cool. I didn't know that.
1: So what about programming? I know that there's all kinds of programming going on all the time. There's movies in there almost every night. What are some of the things that y'all are doing to try to get people back in the theater?
3: Unfortunately, first run, which is meaning their first release, like first into the theaters, is very hard to do with a single screen. So the distributors, they require for first run movies, which are first release, first into the theaters, they, they require at least a two week showing. So we have to show it every single day in every single slot, time slot that we have.
1: Oh, so that interferes with having any of your family stuff or any of your others. Exactly. So very difficult to get
3: that. And also with second run, there's there's not much left for second run because they go from the movie theaters and straight to streaming. Right. So there's no grace period from when they leave the theater to when they are shown publicly. So what have you done to fill that gap? So we're really looking at, at repertory movies and we're trying to do themes like, we're, we're thinking about doing the 1970s one month. A lot of great movies in the 70s. Oh, yeah. A lot of great movies in the 70s. And then our Sunday classics, we'll try to do that as kind of cl- classic, like, 1960s or ni- pre-1960s. And you
1: have some family things you do on the weekends and stuff, too. So. Yes.
3: Yeah, so, Saturday mornings, we do we do a family series. Um, we do usually do two screenings of, of the movie. And the first screen is dedicated to uh, sensory-friendly, where we have the lights turned up and the sound lower so that way kids with, say, autism or, or disabilities can come in and, and enjoy a show without
1: being over inundated with... Sound and picture. It's, yeah, exactly. All that stimulus, all that, yeah, right. Yeah. So what is your background with the bird? Were you raised in Richmond? Did you go there as a kid or...? So I
3: did. I was born raised here in Richmond, went to the bird as, as a kid, went with my grandmother a lot.
1: Was that the days when Eddie Weaver was still there or was that after him? He was the original organist, I think, the one I knew of. I think it was after Eddie. Okay. let be okay. honest with you. And something I also want to bring up, of course, still every what is it? Just Saturday nights you have the organ play before no, the no shows. No, no, we
3: we are actually looking at, at expanding that. Currently, it's Friday, Saturday morning, Saturday um, evening, and then Sunday. And we're looking at increasing that to maybe Wednesday and Thursdays and Sunday nights.
1: Uh, And I know, of course, there are independent films. Actually, I'm doing an interview on this show in a a week or two with uh, the folks from Bell Tower who are bringing in. uh, I'm doing an interview with them, and that's an independent film. So I know you still, you know, you welcome independent filmmakers and local filmmakers as well. Absolutely. We partner with a lot of them, and a lot of times they'll rent out the theater for us. And Stacey Shaw is gone. I'm assuming from what I've read that that was planned and it was it was a smooth easy transition there was no yes. kind of that's good
3: good right now we're only open thursday through sunday but we're looking to reopen to wednesday nights and sunday nights oh good um, good so trying to to re-engage the public a little bit more too there you go when you're not sitting in the bird watching a movie what do you like to watch oh man so i'm big on to the fantasy movies the harry potter and um, lord of the rings right right <laughs> what did you Hobbit? think of
1: that new lord of the rings oh i loved it did you, I thought it was great. I couldn't get through it. No, I thought it was okay. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, 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 Good, um, I can only get halfway through that and the dragon one. I'm like, okay, same old, same old, but... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe one of these days, some of those movies might end up at The Bird. Ben, I want to thank you again for talking to me, and I want to wish you good luck with all of the fundraising and renovation and programming for The Bird. Well, thank you so much, Jerry. I really appreciate it. That was Ben Cronley, Executive Director of the Bird Theater Foundation, talking about
4: what's coming at The Bird. When I was a little girl, my Uncle Effie would tell me stories about a place in New Jersey that I had never heard of before. It was called Alliance.
1: That was an excerpt from the opening of Alliance, which is about Jewish immigrants who escaped the horrors of the pogrom in Russia to end up on farms in the United States. Alliance is the name of the community that was established in New Jersey, and this documentary looks at their challenges, from arriving in a new country where they didn't know the language or the customs. It screens at the James River Film Festival on April 22nd at 1.30 p.m. Director Susan Donnelly and DP co-editor Ted Salens will tell us more. I'm talking with Susan Donnelly and Ted Salens about Alliance. So first of all, who are (laughs) y'all? Our grandfather who
5: is the grandson of one of the Alliance settlers, had 10 children. Uh, Susan's mother is my father's sister, and there are eight others. Wow. And there's 15 first cousins, not including our wives and
1: husbands. What's your background in uh, film and video?
4: Well, this is my first full-length film. I started creating films, but mainly short films, uh, documentary here and there, and mainly music videos when I was in high school and became kind of really obsessed with it and loved the making of it, especially the editing. You know, and then I kind of always carried that with me. And in college, I, you know, took some film courses, even though I was not at a film school, but I was focused mainly on children's media and children's television and did, you know, some internships that related to that. Children's Television Workshop and WGBH and that type of thing. You know, I've always been interested in kind of stories about unknown or kind of hidden communities. So then some things came together and, you know, it just seemed like the right time.
1: Ted, how about you? What's your background?
4: I actually um, studied film
1: postgraduate at
4: the
5: New School for Social Research in New York City. I made my first movie in 1960. It was A Dog Was Halfway Between my brother lying on the ground and me and the camera and it looked like the dog was eating was giant eating my brother i work as a professional videographer and i've been teaching filmmaking and screenwriting at randolph macon university and bright point college for the last 20 years
1: i'm guessing from my first question that the way this kind of this story kind of came about is you already knew each other so what made y'all say okay let's make a documentary about alliance
5: i've known susan since she was born <laughs> And i want to say one thing, and I'll let her continue, but um, it's been so
1: much fun working on this project with a first cousin. Right, right.
4: (laughs) It definitely
1: has. So what was the inspiration for? What made y'all say, let's make a movie?
4: Well, the inspiration for it was actually our Uncle Effie, who, from when I was a little kid, kind of taught me about the genealogy of our family. So I was always intrigued by it, and I had only been to Alliance maybe once or twice when I was a kid, but I didn't know anything about, you know, the colony. Fast forward to as an adult, there was an event that was going to be held in Alliance. Um, We decided to go up. and So I took my family and some other cousins went up and, you know, I learned so much more about the Alliance colony and just became really interested in it. Unfortunately, my uncle then got really sick and was dying and I wanted to carry on the stories that he had told me. At the same time, I was taking a bunch of filmmaking courses and coming up with ideas for documentaries. Then we heard that there was going to be an Alliance Descendant reunion. And so all of these things kind of came together serendipitously and it seemed like a great opportunity to tell this story.
1: So how'd you drag Ted into it?
4: My first thought when I decided (laughs) that I'm gonna make a documentary is, I gotta call Ted. (laughs) (laughs) Because this is what he does. You know, he's been a filmmaker, um, like he said, since before I was born. Of course, he's my cousin. So he's as invested in this story as I am. And I know he's always really loved the stories of our family.
1: So you had a lot of stock footage, a lot of stock photos, which I know from having done my own documentary, there's a lot of time and effort put into that. Was that the biggest challenge or what was the biggest challenge in putting this film together?
4: That probably was the biggest challenge actually. So, you know, we did a lot of interviews, but there's only so long you can watch someone talking. Right. You know, And I wanted to tell the story visually. Luckily, I ended up working with Stockton University, um, which is in southern New Jersey near where Alliance was and they had already had a repository of a lot of ancestors photos and things from Alliance. That's great. Yeah, it was fantastic. So I really started there and gathered some more from other descendants of the colony and then you know I got a tremendous amount of footage and photos from Library of Congress, and that type of thing, and just did a lot of digging.
1: So, Ted, what was your job on the movie, besides being her cousin?
5: Director of photography, to make sure that it looked professional. One thing is that, of course, like everything else, the production was halted by the pandemic. Right. Looking for a silver lining in a dark cloud, because of the extra time and the isolation, started applying for production grants that we may not have gotten had it not been for the pandemic. Well,
4: wow. <laughs> I guess that's a good point. Yeah,
1: that's the bright side of the pandemic. That's great I <laughs> to make sure it looks
5: professional.
1: It's interesting because I know in the ending of it, you tie this into today's immigrant issues, which obviously is a different story, but it's the same story. That was pretty fascinating. Was
4: that intentional or did that
1: kind of evolve as you were making the movie?
4: It did actually kind of evolve as I was making it. Um, I just started seeing, a lot of parallels and you know began asking the people i was interviewing how they thought it related to modern day immigration and you know it just showed a good kind of lesson about immigration back then and then what things have turned into now and you know obviously immigration is a very hot topic right now So I think it's a good thing to be able to kind of compare and then maybe have some discourse, you know, about this kind of social justice issue.
5: We were filming right about the time that the uh, children were being torn from their parents and put in cages. And most everybody responded well to Susan's question.
1: Well, you know, it's interesting, the other documentary that I'm interviewing that's showing the next day, which is not part of the James River Festival, I mentioned it to Uh-oh. Ted, is called Anahita, and it's about a woman who escaped the Taliban on one of those planes. She spent three days yeah. on the tarmac with her five children sleeping until she finally got on a plane and came to America, oh my and it's God. this incredible story. This- well,
5: it's absolutely relevant, though, Jerry. Oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And the, the early part of the film shows the history of the uh, discrimination and violence against Jews in Russia and the intellectual movements by a small group of people to get Jews out of Russia and to start these farm communities in South America and North America. And of course the first, you know, they made a mistake. The first one was in Louisiana right? and everyone died of malaria. And the second one was in North Dakota. And everyone froze to death. (laughs) Southern New Jersey seemed to be
1: the right place. Another thing I noticed near the end is that seems to be a resurgence to modern Jewish farming, to this concept.
4: Yes, there definitely is. It's a movement that has started probably over the last 5, 10 years. Jews are really kind of looking back to the land, looking back to their history in farming and creating new spaces for experiences that are agricultural based and so surprisingly there's a lot of modern jewish farmers throughout the country including some in alliance that are kind of trying to restart the agricultural community there
1: what's alliance like now obviously there's a little bit of footage in there from it but what's that area like it's still mainly
4: farmland you know it's only 10 minutes outside of Vineland, New Jersey, which is a city, but uh, the Alliance area, which is actually now called Pittsgrove Township, is really still pretty much farmland. they still owned
1: by the same Jewish families, or has it passed no, on?
4: There are some Jews there still, but the majority are gone. There right, was right. Uh, one man who is interviewed in the film who was... Basically, the last Jewish farmer to be farming on the family's land. Right. Just before we interviewed him, like a week before, had decided to sell the farm. He wasn't buying the farm, if you know what I mean. (laughs) Exactly.
1: (laughs) Well, all right. I want to thank you. Ted Salins and Susan Donnelly for talking to us about Alliance, and you, of course, will both be at the Film Festival to talk about it in person? Yes, Absolutely. April 22nd at the Bird Theater, one thirty p.m. Good deal. All right. We'll see you then. Thank you so much.
4: Thank you so much, Jerry. It was a pleasure. That was director
1: Susan Donnelly and DP co-editor Ted Salens talking about Alliance, the documentary about Jewish farmers settling in New Jersey that'll be playing 1.30 p.m. Saturday, the 22nd of April at The Bird as part of the James River Film Festival. Playing that same day at 4 p.m. is another film featured in this year's festival, The Album, which features artists talking about album covers they created. So Kevin Hossman Who are you and what's your background before we talk about the the album itself?
2: Uh, I'm originally from South Side of Chicago. I wanted to be an animator, Disney animator, my entire life. So I went to CalArts, which was started by Walt Disney. There was a guy who was a uh, teacher of mine, Roland Young, who just passed away this year. And uh, he said to me, there's uh, Roy Kahara at Capitol Records. Um, why don't you go show him your portfolio? I said that uh, he should hire you.
1: What were some of the records you worked on that people might've heard of?
2: Um, The first cover that I actually had done was uh, Megadeth, So Far So Good, So What? And it is uh, a platinum selling record. The very next one that I did was MC Hammer, Let's Get It Started. That has also gone multi-platinum. And then uh, because I had done rap, they're basically giving it to the young kid, right?
1: And you actually talk about in the movie, because you're in the movie, obviously, right. and you talk about that whole process of how you got kind of pigeonholed to start with in that. Surprise guest, drop in. Before we go any further, somebody wants to say hello to you. Footnote. Mike Jones is the co-creator of the James River Film Fest. So, Mike, you and Kevin haven't actually met, have you? No, no, we've emailed. And unfortunately, Kevin, you're not going to be able to come to the festival, which is a shame. But, Mike, what's new this year? I know the festival, besides the lineup, which we'll have online.
0: You know, every year, Jerry, the the, the program is a little different. But this year, we are kind of, we hate to use the word motif a theme, but... Uh, there's a lot of music and film. I mean, a lot of silent film with uh, live music And other music related things like highlighting Richmond music videos and things like that. Well, that's right. That reminded me some of the early
1: videos I directed will be in this festival, too, which will be kind of fun to see those from the 80s for Single Bullet Theory.
0: But That's right. Single Bullet Theory is included. A band called Poison. Let's see the Seymours. Plunky and Wondness. Some things off the top of my head. Yeah. Right, right. And that's one reason, you know, we kind of came into contacting Kevin trying to get his movie. And it's also National Vinyl Day that day. So. Oh, that's cool. One thing that just got added to the program just two days ago is a new documentary on Thelonious Monk. It's called Play and Rewind. And he does some performances and stuff there in the studio. That
2: sounds fantastic.
0: Another new thing, we're showing the movie Earth, which is a silent classic that we probably should have shown years ago. And it's Ukrainian director Alexander Doshenko. And we have a local band, the Vulgar Bulgars, uh, who are doing some East European klezmer music. That should be fun
1: we'll have, of course have a full a link to everything on the web page for this at tv jerry but i want to thank you for dropping in and saying a little hello to kevin too
0: jerry thank you so much kevin thank you again
1: all right thank you mike we're talking about some of the things you did at capital records you mentioned two that were platinum you've you've gotten over 20
2: yeah 24 two dozen gold and platinum the the ones that actually win a Grammy for uh, best packaging or the ones that get the most exposure and, and sell the most aren't always the ones that you really cherish uh, for your best work.
1: Well, that's interesting. I did not realize Grammys has it because obviously it's not in the show on TV, but they actually have a uh, an award for album cover. Oh, yeah. So how did this project come about? What was your inspiration?
2: There was the, an assignment, PowerPoint, take 20 slides and put it on a timer and give you only five seconds to talk about those slides. So I I did it on all the platinum and gold records that I had done, telling a quick story on each one of them. And by the time I was finished with that talk, I had all of them on their feet clapping because they had basically bought half of the records that I had (laughs) presented in this presentation. So they didn't know it. They thought it was funny. And I thought, you know, if I could get that kind of reaction with just my career. And then I called all these people. So these people love to talk about what the days that it used to be and kind of give their spiel of not wanting to be forgotten.
1: Just seeing the trailer, you see a lot of it. I mean, you know, the stories like this, the story about this Rolling Stones with the zipper that had to, how they had to adjust the zipper and Abbey Road, how that was Saturday Night Fever. Never mind Janet Jackson. There's so many incredible stories. Is there one that sticks out to you that that's one of the most amazing or was one of the hardest interviews to get?
2: So the one that I thought was actually the most unique because I didn't know the story was Aubrey Powell, who was part of Hypnosis. And he they did all the Pink Floyd covers, right? They did Dark Side of the Moon. Right, he talks right. about that in it as well. But the one where he's talking about animals, where it's the balloon of the pig up over the power station. Yeah. And what it basically happens is the ropes that they had to hold this thing down broke and it flew off. And as his story goes, it went right over Heathrow Airport and they had taken up fighter jets to knock the thing down because they were concerned it would interfere with flight traffic. It slowly landed in a field miles and miles away. And they got a call from the old farmer out there saying, it's scaring my cows, get rid of this thing.
1: <laughs> so it's interesting. I noticed in the documentary, sometimes when you have these people talking, you have some random covers that come in before that, but they're not always their covers, are they? It's yeah, to- thanks.
2: That's actually a very good point. Right. I wanted to make sure that they, viewing this, really saw the huge amount of design that was done that everyone recognizes. And those are basically just mile markers. And those, those little shots that are just little pops of of those photos are there to remind you of that time period because right, right. we might be talking about it's Mandata or some kind of police cover but it was also the year that another something came out right, i wanted right. people to have kind of a mile marker to actually understand where it kind of fit in
1: so what are your plans for distribution i know obviously you're hitting the festivals at this point do you have anything beyond that or are you just waiting to see what happens at the festivals
2: I have distribution worldwide, so it has been on Sky UK, Sky Italia, and it's also uh, shown in Sweden. But when it comes to America, I'm doing Amazon Prime, so if you search the album, you'll have to purchase it like that. Um, When I first started this, I was really doing this as a swan song, a tribute to all the graphic designers, the stat houses, the film separators, the illustrators the uh, letterers, the typographers, all of the people who are industries that are no longer. And I wanted this to be documented so that people of different generations know that there was this whole thing that actually was necessary to get art out. When I first put out my first rough cut, everyone said, you are way into the weeds. No one cares about designers. They wanna hear those great stories that you already have. That's what people want to hear, the stuff that they were physically connected to, where they held that record and they listened to that vinyl. So I put in more of the stories, but I wanted to make sure that they were accurate to the time period. But their side A, an analog past, side B, starts with the delivery of what is CD and right. how it completely changed the industry. And it was Pandora's box that opened up the mystery and the ability to just drag and drop all of those and anyone who was ever a part of Napster, you destroyed the industry and it's okay because now it is in the hands of the fans as it should have always been.
1: Kevin Hosman, I want to thank you so much for dropping in from California to talk about the album and I'm sorry you won't be here, but I'm sure you'll have a good crowd because it's a very entertaining and informative film.
2: No, thank you very much. I wish I could have been there. I think we need to make sure that history is not lost. And this is an industry that has to shed its skin every few months and go on to the next big thing. And because of that, we can't really it's like a flip book. You know what I mean? You don't see the beginning and how it transforms to the end. You have to experience the whole thing. And that's why I wanted to make a full movie about it.
1: All right, well, thank you very much. Thank you. That was Kevin Hossman, director of the album, which will be screening at the James River Film Festival Saturday, April 22nd, 4 p.m. at The Bird. By the way, another special event at this year's festival is a look at the VPM series The Good Road, and a link to my podcast with the creators of the show is on the webpage at TV Jerry. And one more side note, the Saturday night screenings of music videos from the 80s local bands will feature one I directed for Single Bullet Theory.
0: Coming soon. In theaters
1: Renfield Nicholas Holt plays the title character who is the unwilling henchman of Dracula played by Nick Cage in this comedy Mafia Mama Tony Collette plays a woman who inherits her grandfather's mafia empire so she heads to Italy The Pope's Exorcist Russell Crowe is the titular priest. Based on the actual files of a priest, this details the case of one young boy's possession. Nefarious. On the day of his execution, a convicted killer claims to be a demon. Suzumi. This latest anime is about a 17-year-old girl and a mysterious man who try to stop disasters all over Japan. Sweetwater. This film is about the first black man to sign an NBA contract. Nat Sweetwater Clifton. Rare Objects. Katie Holmes plays a woman who's trying to rebuild her life while working in an antique store run by Alan Cumming. Cherry. Not to be confused with the Tom Holland film from last year, this is about a roller skater who discovers she's 10 weeks pregnant. TV and streaming. The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel returns to Amazon for its final season. Barry returns to HBO, where Bill Hader finds himself in jail. The Last Thing He Told Me on Apple. Jennifer Garner stars as a mom who must keep her daughter safe after her spouse goes missing. Waco, The Aftermath, on Showtime. This miniseries revisits the standoff between law enforcement and the Branch Davidians, starring Michael Shannon. Blindspotting returns to stars for a second season. You can subscribe to this podcast from the usual services, or you can go to tvjerry.com, click on the podcast tab, and there's a link. This is Jerry Williams. Thanks for listening. See you next week. For more Sister, including literally thousands Thousands of of reviews, reviews.
3: visit tvjerry.com.
5: That's a wrap.